Oh, did you hear they're bringing back uh, Celebrity Deathmatch? MTV's rebooting it. Uh, I never knew it got canceled. When did that happen? Celebrity Deathmatch hasn't been on since like the 90s. I, I no. Think. I, in my brain, I thought it was still on. No. So. I used to love that show. <laughs> Funny shit. It was good. You realize how, like, we haven't really changed from the 90s in our level of crass celebrity worship, you know? Sure. Yeah. But uh, if they reboot you know it, show kinda... they, they gotta they gotta have Lena Dunham on there. Often. Oh God! Well, the, I mean, that's the kind of nice thing about the show is that it 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 kind of poked fun at our celebrity. Like it would poke fun at like the most uh, vain, absurd aspects of each celebrity that was on the show. Sure, absolutely. And we've got yeah. lots of those people right now that need taken down a notch. Yeah. Wow. Here we wow. are. So, uh, welcome to Move Left Idiots, uh, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, joined here by my co-host, uh, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? What it is, what it is. Yeah. Um, so, we had an interesting week. Uh, we talked uh, a little bit about George Bush. On f- oh, no, you know, we didn't actually, because we did that. No. So, okay, so what we had, we had an issue with our, our podcast. We recorded it last Friday um and uh everything was going great we we talked for like two hours and all of a sudden my uh computer shit the bed uh and by my computer i mean the software that we use this cast software and it crashed and we couldn't recover the files so i flipped like 72 hours yeah yeah i emailed Um, them but and they're a small company so they weren't in on the weekends but uh, on monday they figured out what the issue was and they they recovered the files and everything was good so it it was um, officially for a couple days a lost episode mm -hmm. so um despite that though it it was good because we had uh, a quartet of us on there so if you haven't listened to that one yet uh audience definitely do it was almost two and a half hours actually and we were um, fairly inebriated, I would attest. Yeah, I wasn't, but you guys were. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was great. We had Jules on, we had uh, Peter Douche on, and we just really shot the shit and talked about a million different things. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's one of our best. So check that out. Uh, they're they're going to be back on soon. And uh, yeah. Uh, and it so- was so good that a president died. <laughs> I'd like to think the power of our of our amazing you know lefty podcast uh, managed to 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 you know stamp out that final beat from from George Bush's cold shriveled black heart. Yeah. Um. So yeah, George Bush died. Uh. And uh, <laughs> you know the first I, one, the first one. Yeah. The, you know, I would say that the slightly less bad one, but I actually maybe be, might make a case that he's the worst one <laughs> when, when, after this podcast is over. So I guess you'll be the judge. We'll, we'll, you know, audience can be the judge. Um, but uh, George Bush died. And, you know, every time a politician dies, we saw this with McCain and, you know, famously Reagan uh, was Ugh. probably the first, first time this happened. People just, you know, when a when a famous politician dies, people just act as if uh, nothing that they did uh, wrong uh, should be taken into account, and that uh, everything that uh, they did, they did with good intent, and that they were, you know, elder statesmen and and good people, and that you should revere them, and you shouldn't talk ill of them, and you shouldn't. I mean, I saw the same shit even when Scalia died, and it's like, uh, no, if you're a public figure, uh, especially a politician. 
I'm going to judge the way that I feel about you in death uh, by the way that you acted in life, the way you acted when you had power. Did you actively mm-hmm. seek to help people or did you actively seek to uh, harm people? Or did, 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 you, did people die as a result of your decisions, of your willful decisions? If the answer is yes, then I'm not going to fucking celebrate you when you die. And, and no amount of civility trolling is going to make me think that that's the proper way to uh, discuss a, a dead politician or a dead president. And well, even if you cater to, to some level of respectability politics, people say, well, yes, he was terrible, but now's not the time. Well, it, half the articles in the news are Bush's legacy. Well, if we're going to recall his legacy, we have to recall the legacy of tens of thousands of people who were slaughtered because of him, right? That is his Hundreds, legacy. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, yes, it is time to reflect upon the legacy of somebody who had the power of being head of the CIA, vice president, president, uh, who came from one of the most wealthy, privileged, um, white supremacist families in, in this modern history. His father sold weapons to the Nazis during World War II, by the way. <laughs> and got in trouble for it. And yeah. got in trouble for it. Like, and should have been prosecuted, but managed to evade prosecution. Like it's there was a war crimes prosecutor from the Nuremberg trials who said that Prescott Bush absolutely should have been prosecuted and thrown in jail uh for war crimes for aiding and abetting the enemy during World War II, but he did manage to get out of it because he was a rich uh you know, rich rich American who had connections and you know, he he made it go away. But yeah, so so that's that's where that family started their political dynasty. <laughs> Selling weapons to the Nazis during World War II. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I didn't see a whole lot of praise for you know I kind of like I'll you can keyword search stuff on Facebook just to kind of see how many of your friends and family in real life actually are you know uh, pouring one out for this guy and I didn't see any of that. So people were just either silent about it or vocally just like you know fuck that guy at least amongst the people that I know. So. Sure. Well, and you know, on Twitter, obviously, but there were a good segment of the the kind of media politics DC establishment who were, you know, doing the same song and dance they did when John McCain died, and acting like Bush is this figure to be revered. And I think a lot of people learned their lesson uh, from McCain. Like, I don't think AOC tweeted anything, or if she did, it was a real mild, uh, not not enough to draw any kind of ire. Yeah, uh, I didn't with, see anything. Same from with her. Bernie. She's, she's Bernie too much on a roll with like her other stuff. Yeah, benign thing. But like, it, so you know, and George Bush oftentimes gets looked at as this kind of uh, grandfatherly figure because we know him now as this you know decrepit old smiling man who wears funny socks sitting in his wheelchair, but yeah, groping George, women from his wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, making making jokes about you know who's my, who's your favorite my. Uh, favorite magicians uh david david copperfield and then he would like grab a woman's ass so you know real oh, classy lovely. guy what, what a great gentleman yeah, yeah. What, what, what 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 a respectable gentleman so um people often like talk about him in terms of like well you know he's not as dumb as his son and he didn't he didn't have as much bad intent as his, as his son i would argue that he's actually probably worse than his son and i want to go through uh and and discuss the actual legacy of George Bush because you, you're hearing uh, all this shit about you know George Bush uh, you know and, and and his compassion and his 
and how he was a moderate and all this shit. But it's really not true when you look at his actual policies, which I know people fucking hate to do in DC and in, you know, the media. Um, I, you know, first of all, he won election, uh, basically creating the modern, uh, dog whistle you know campaign strategy of the republican party he he uh ran this ad about willie horton uh which is just maybe still to this day the most overtly racist uh campaign ad i've ever seen for like a political candidate i mean maybe there's a few recently that have been worse but it's real fucking bad he basically uh implied that michael dukakis uh, was weak on crime and then they, they ran this ad about this guy willie horton who uh had a i guess kind of a weekend furlough uh you know from prison and he raped and murdered a woman uh and it so he and he basically implied that michael dukakis uh was responsible for this or was in favor of this and number one the that that guy got a weekend furlough under a republican governor in his state it, it it's just it was a total fabrication the guy's name wasn't he didn't he didn't even go by willie but they thought willie was a blacker sounding name than william uh he's yeah, never like, gone by Willie. like he's he's a fucking train hobo or something like you yeah, never know yeah. who's gonna wander in your neighborhood off the rails <laughs> so he he ran on this ad and and this ad was so racist that roger stone uh said to to lee atwater who's i think bush's campaign manager at the time you're gonna wear this for the rest of your life uh this 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 ad's racist and you're gonna regret it uh, so that's how he ended up, and, and a lot of people credit that with him actually winning the election because you know back then political advertising was extremely effective. Uh, now it's a lot less so, but back then a good TV ad could make or or sink a campaign. Like do and now, uh, yeah, I mean now that the, the political TV ads are parody. <laughs> no one, yeah. you know, I remember that for the last election, you know, I was up at my parents' home upstate, and you get to see some locally produced uh, rural campaign ads and you're oh, just like awful. oh my god it's like tim and eric <laughs> you know yeah, like, no, they're, they're, they're seriously parody yeah yeah <laughs> terrence murphy says it. he does yeah it's like just come on carol no. miller <laughs> yeah, carol miller <laughs> um uh but so okay so that's how he got into office and you know a lot of people act as if he was not uh of of, of the donald trump breed of republican but realistically he paved the way for Donald Trump by by running this incredibly uh, racist dog whistle campaign. I mean, that absolutely, along with McCain, who we also, you know, talked about how he was, uh, you know, in that similar vein where he really kind of opened the door for Trump with the shit that he did. Uh, I don't think he gets enough uh, disdain for that. I think he gets kind of a pass on that. But uh, once he was in office, uh, and by, and keep in mind, by the way, he only served one term. Uh, he, he got beat by Bill Clinton in 92. Uh, so he did all this heinous shit that I'm about to list in four years. So that's pretty impressive uh, <laughs> how you could commit that many war crimes in four years. So he uh, obviously invaded Kuwait, uh, you know, under false pretenses. So... So essentially, uh, you know, during the invasion of Kuwait, he we dropped about 88,000 tons of bombs on Iraq and Iraqi occupied Kuwait. Uh, we had Which no isn't that reason much actually, nowadays. That's no. nothing compared to what <laughs> Obama drops. No, I know, sadly. Um, but, yeah. but, but so we had no actual reason to invade Kuwait. Uh, they claimed they were doing it to protect uh, 
Saudi Arabia or they had a bunch of like nebulous reasons. Essentially what we were, they were worried about was that Iraq was threatening uh, their oil supplies in Kuwait. And, you know, of course, American oil interests always uh, trumps human rights. So we went in there uh, and killed, uh, by some estimates, 148,000 people. <laughs> so you know kuwaitis and like, iraqis kuwaitis and, and iraqis Iraqi. yeah our our response to kuwait being invaded by iraq was to bomb the shit out of kuwait to you know because the little babies the little babies right yeah so i want to read a couple uh excerpts from this intercept article and i i, I suggest seeking out the entire thing it's a really good uh summation of uh all of the heinous shit that george bush uh did in his short time in office um so under Bush Sr., the U.S. dropped a whopping 88,500 tons of bombs on Iraq and Iraq, Iraqi-occupied Kuwait, uh, many of which resulted in horrific civilian casualties. Uh, in February 91, for example, a U.S. airstrike on an air raid shelter in the uh, Amariah neighborhood of Baghdad killed at least 408 Iraqi civilians. Uh, according to Human Rights Watch, the Pentagon knew that the Amariah facility had been used as a civilian defense shelter during the Iran-Iraq war, uh, and yet had attacked it without warning. Uh, it was concluded, uh, the Human Rights Watch, a serious violation of the laws of war, uh, which is an understatement. So yeah, they they, they bombed a, uh, a a civilian, uh, you know, a refugee shelter that they knew was, you know, housing uh, civilian refugees during during the conflict. Um, the U.S. bombs also destroyed essential Iraqi civilian infrastructure. Uh, from electricity generating and water treatment facilities to food processing plants and flour mills. Uh, this was no accident, as Barton Gelman of the Washington Post reported in June 91. Some targets, especially late in the war, were bombed primarily to create post-war leverage over Iraq, not to influence the course of the conflict itself. Planners now say that their intent was to destroy or damage valuable facilities that Baghdad could not repair without foreign assistance, because of these goals, damage to civilian structures and interests, uh, invariably described by briefers during the war as collateral and unintended, was sometimes neither. So that's a war crime. That's a completely heinous war crime. Um, we, we, we bombed civilian infrastructure. That's, that's literally one of the worst war crimes you can commit. Uh, yeah, but everybody does, everybody does that, right? Right? <laughs> um, I mean, there, yeah. It, so uh, just um referencing the the thing I talked about a second ago this this was all predicated on a completely false testimony that was given in the US Congress. Uh I don't know do you know about this yeah, part? Yeah. Yes, I actually have some audio from that. I would like to play because I think it's something okay. that not I, a lot of I people I wasn't have heard. sure if you were going to get to that, but um but I remember this at the time. It was like people a lot of people knew at the time this was a fake story too. Um so uh I don't know if I cut in on no, 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 you're you're good. So yes, essentially, I, and uh, I, you know, oddly enough, I you know, if people knew about it at the time, not a lot of people know about it today because I barely saw any reporting about this uh, post his death, and it's almost ironic to me that everyone talks about you know Bush Jr. Uh, invading Iraq on false pretenses, which obviously he did, uh, but nobody talks about the fact that he uh, learned it from his daddy because <laughs> because. H.W. Uh, Bush invaded uh, Iraq on false pretenses the first time. So I want to play this little clip here. It's from a Canadian documentary uh, by the CBC, you know, the, the Canadian equivalent of the BBC. 
um, who first uncovered uh, this this sham of of a story uh, that they used as a pretext for uh, starting the Iraq War, uh, the Gulf War, excuse me. Uh, and I'm going to play the audio here, and we'll, we'll chat about it. August 2nd, 1990. Iraq attacks Kuwait, claiming the Kuwaitis are slant drilling into Iraq's oil fields. U.S. President George Herbert Walker Bush pushes for a land war against Iraq. But polls show the U.S. public is split 50-50 on that idea. Then comes this eyewitness testimony before a congressional committee from a 15-year-old Kuwaiti girl. The claim is she cannot be identified for fear of reprisals. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators, took the incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. The U.S. public is outraged. The result? Support for land war zooms. It's a turning point. Desert Storm is launched. 135,000 Iraqis are killed. An estimated 1 million Iraqis, many of them children and old people, then die as a result of 10 years of sanctions. One small problem. There never were any incubator baby deaths. Not one. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's investigative flagship program, The Fifth Estate, reveals the girl to be the Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter, given her lines and coached in acting by the giant American PR firm Hill & Knowlton. It's one phase in a $10 million joint U.S.-Kuwaiti campaign of deception. This man is lying. I myself buried 14 newborn babies that had been taken from their incubators. This man is lying. And they had kids in incubators, and they were thrown out of the incubators so that Kuwait could be systematically dismantled. There were a lot of people who participated in a conspiracy. Yes, an out-and-out -out conspiracy of fake organizations, false documents, fraud, and disinformation. So, if a new man named Bush is in the White House and helps engineer a brazen deception in order to achieve global geopolitical goals, as well as domestic and personal ones, it wouldn't be a first, would it? Yeah, so... Um... That's, and that's an yeah, go ahead. No, I was just say that's an incredible uh, just little two minutes of audio there. But I, I, genuinely, I, I think I first heard that a couple of years ago. Uh, I think on Jimmy Dore's show, actually, of all places, was the first mm -hmm. time I saw that. Um, and it's fucking crazy that nobody talks about that. Like, you know, you don't learn about that in history class. Like, we, we, we literally had no reason to, to go into Kuwait. So they manufactured a reason to go into Kuwait. Like, it, it's fucking unreal. Well, I mean, it, I, 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 it happens all the time, but it's it unreal that like, nobody fucking is outraged about it. Right. Well, remember this summer, there was all this, this um, supposedly Assad was gassing his own people, mm -hmm. and then they went to the hospitals and interviewed everyone, and they said, well, they rushed in here with a bunch of kids and said, you know, flush their eyes out, and the kids were crying, but as soon as it was done, they were done filming, they rushed all the kids back out, and we never got a chance to test them to see if they've been exposed to anything. It, it seemed very staged. 
and it they couldn't find any proof of any of it. It's like the same thing here where they the human rights groups were like, well, we haven't heard about anything like this. Like hundreds of ba- three hundred babies being murdered in the in the nursery of the hospitals. We would have heard about that. So they found out that there wasn't even three hundred incubators in Kuwait City, <laughs> right? So I mean, the, in but then you had other groups like Amnesty International, with no proof whatsoever, finally signed off on the story and said, well, it, there's too many people who have said it to it not be true. Well, clearly this Great was a y- young there. girl who was coached by uh, you know, a millionaire PR firm who was the daughter of the ambassador, ambassador for Kuwait. Kuwait. And it's it's just like I'm sure this girl they told her this had happened and said we need you to tell them that you saw it happen and they just told her over and over and over until they got to the point where she could play the role right um, and, and yeah it's just it's it's the same thing Gulf of Tonkin the the bombing of the the thing that the ship that got us into the um, you know the the Spanish War it's it, there always has to be a lie to get the public to go along with it because the public really doesn't want to have a war. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and it's just unreal uh, how fucking gross uh, that is, <laughs> and 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 again, just nobody talks about it. it. Should never have been there in the first place. Killed a hundred thousand people, hundred and fifty thousand people, uh, and we had no reason to go in there in the first place. So, well, the thing that that his son learned was that you have to tell a lie that can't be disproved, right? So if you can't find the WMDs, you just say, oh, well, they must be hidden somewhere else. Where, where? Remember when he joked at the White House press correspondence dinner, like, "Oh, no, no WMDs under there. Maybe they're over here." Remember he <laughs> yeah, joked about right, that. Yeah, yeah. he joked about right? not being able to find the WMDs after a million people died, and everyone at the White House press correspondence dinner laughed at that joke. Ugh, fucking gross. Just really fucking gross. Um, you know, and and they mentioned in that clip, and I, and I wanted to touch on also, uh, it's it's not just the war in Kuwait. Uh, what, what's even more uh, horrific and damaging are the crippling sanctions that we levied on them after uh, the conflict was over, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you fucking defeat uh, an ar- you know a rival army in battle or whatever or however you want to you know yeah, frame the, it. The sanctions that Madeleine Albright uh, said were worth it. Yeah, that that killed a million people. You know, including I think they said by some estimates a quarter of a million children. Uh, so yeah, that 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 was worth it to Madeleine Albright for for what reason? What did we accomplish with those sanctions? Uh, I yeah. fucking couldn't tell you. I, I, I couldn't and, tell you. And for anyone who doesn't know, Madeleine Albright was the Secretary of State for which president? Uh, that would be Bill Clinton. Uh, as a Bill Clinton, of fact. a Democrat, a Democrat. A good most Democrat. of the all, most of those sanctions were carried out under Bill Clinton. Yeah, right. yeah. So the, the idea that the war stopped is ridiculous. Uh, Bill Clinton was still sending bombs into Iraq every couple months, right? We were still mm-hmm. bombing that country. So the, the the idea that there was two separate wars and it, they were each done by Bush is a myth. Bill Clinton was waging war against Iraq these entire two terms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... You know the, the the sanctions. People people think of sanctions as like a peaceful uh, way to resolve conflict. Sanctions are, in a lot of ways, worse uh, than direct bombing. And in, in certain, you know, depending on how how severe the sanctions are, um, they can they can completely cripple a country. Like a, a, the, oh, it's cri- it's I a mean, siege. Look, look what's happening in Yemen. Yeah. yeah well, mean, you remember back in the day, they would surround a whole <clears throat> city, you know, and starve out the entire civilian population of a city to force them to come out and be killed. Right, because mm-hmm. they were starving to death. Well, with sanctions, you can do that on a nationwide scale. That's all it is. 
Well, and, and the actual act of surrounding a city and blockading it is a war crime, but yet you can you can legally, you know, in international in the eyes of the international community, pass sanctions which effectively do the exact same thing, and and that's fine, you know, like that's it, that's fucking crazy, um, you know. So obviously there was that uh, horrific situation in Kuwait and Iraq. Uh, there was the Iran-Contra scandal uh, where the United States traded uh, missiles for American hostages in Iran and then used the proceeds of those arms sales to fund the Contra rebels in Nicaragua uh, who were uh, trying to overthrow the leftist government of Nicaragua. And it's just, uh, you know, time after time, he, he showed an absolute uh, disdain for any kind of... Uh, well, and that was largely in the 80s when he was vice president, but... Prior to that, I mean, this was an extension of essentially Operation Condor, which was the the CIA in the late seventies starting yeah. to funnel money into these these right wing death squads. Um, and you know who was head of the CIA in the late seventies? George H. W. Bush, <laughs> right? So he has been instrumental in in killing people for their political beliefs, it was... All right, so this is just from Wikipedia real quick on Operation Condor. Uh, some estimates are that at least 60,000 deaths can be attributed to, to Condor, Jesus possibly Christ. more. Victims who were targeted included dissidents, leftist union and peasant leaders, priests and nuns, students, teachers, and intellectuals. They were trying to wipe out any kind of uh, pro-left, pro-labor, uh, anything in, in South America. And you look at how naturally leftist South America is, and they were just killing people at the direction of George W. Bush, who ran the CIA in the late 70s. You know, also while he was uh, director of the CIA, uh, the CIA installed uh, Manuel Noriega in Panama, and then uh, Noriega decided he wasn't going to be the CIA's puppet anymore and decided to start... Yeah, uh, he tried to quit the CIA. <laughs> ...doing things his way. Because uh, he's like, hey, you know, I, I I am technically the the uh, the leader of this country. I I can you know do what I want. And the CIA is like, no, 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 you can't, no, you can't. And so we invaded Panama and killed us. Uh, I think they said something like three thousand civilians, uh, just to settle a debt, like a, a grudge that Bush had because Noriega decided he wasn't going to do the CIA's bidding anymore. Yeah. Well, while he was doing their bidding, they let him run planes into the U.S. carrying cocaine, and they let him do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the you know you know like the the CIA was funneling crack into the ghettos of America to destabilize black black communities. Well, mm -hmm. they were getting it from one of their own agents who was also the president of a yeah. of a, a Latin uh, Latin American country. Like so, like you know, people said I used to talk about this in community college with people, and they were like, "You fucking." you know socialist with your crazy conspiracy theories and like this is all fucking well-known verifiable information this yeah. is not it's not a conspiracy like they, they did these things it's in the public record uh you know so the idea they were not clandestine about it they didn't want to have to be clandestine about it they wanted to take pride in toppling democratic governments just like they did in iran uh in the 50s they that's that was their crown and joy achievement for the cia at the time yeah, yeah, no, it, it's absolutely disgusting. And he's, by the way, is the only uh, ever former head of the CIA uh, to become president. So he's the only CIA spook to ever become president. So uh, you know, that we know. Not of. A, well, yeah, that we don't know. So no, not, a, not a not a good we, we not a good know. fucking idea uh, to yeah, to allow that uh, sort of 
maniac to oh, become oh, president. You know for if, if Gina, you know if Gina Haspel had any political ambition, how many liberals would support her despite the fact that she ran a torture prison? Oh my god! Imagine if she ran like an anti-Trump Republican camp. They would fucking they would they'd be all over it. They would love it. Oh, they would forget. They would her blouse with the butterflies on it. Oh, it's just so empowering. <laughs> so. um yeah, so beyond that, uh, you know, uh, he, here's another real just gem from George Bush. Um, oh, and by the way, you mentioned that that they funneled cocaine and crack into the ghettos, uh, while at the same time, uh, Bush completely put the war on drugs on steroids and locked up, you know, just absurd amounts of of black and brown people uh, for for drugs. Billions, billions of black and brown people got locked up. Yeah, um, no, it was a lot. It was, it was, you know, just say no to drugs in the eighties when he was vice president, Nancy Reagan, and all that stuff. Like that was, he was a part of all that. Um, yeah, it, and it was just, it was disgusting to see that still get carried over into the Clinton years as well. Obviously, yeah. And um, so uh, here's another uh, uh, thing that happened during his uh, presidency. So on July 3rd, uh, 1988, the U.S. shot down an Iranian Iranian civilian airliner, uh, killing 298 passengers, including 66 children. Uh, this mm-hmm. was this was George Bush's response when uh, pressed on uh, on this this in- incredibly stupid gaffe, uh, or not gaffe. We'll talk about that after this. But this is what he said when asked about it. I'll never apologize for the United States of America, ever. I don't care what the facts are. I'll never apologize. So, yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I don't care, care what, what the facts, the facts are. are. <laughs> I will never apologize. How is that any different than what Trump says? You oh, know, Trump's God. whole, like, I don't care what the, it's fake news. I don't care what the truth is, you know. By um, the way, a lot of people after... think that he didn't do that. That wasn't an accident. They, that we did that as a subtle hint to Iran uh, that, you know, that did not to fuck with us during that. Yeah. Well, you Iran notice his tone. Like, he's very, he's really playing up trying to sound tough uh-huh. because at the time people called him a wimp. They thought his, his personality was very wimpish, right? And so he's, he's putting on an act to try to sound tough in the face of uh, civilian atrocity. Um, so just a couple of facts about the, the the U.S. Navy shooting down that plane. Um, those this was a known um, commercial jetline corridor. They were at a ceiling of I think twenty five thousand feet uh, and climbing at the time. So you couldn't argue that you thought this was a plane with like you know a bomber, you know dive bombing you. It's twenty five feet thousand feet up and climbing. Like that's nowhere near you. Mm-hmm. Um, they were broadcasting on two commercial channels, right? And the Navy said, well, we were monitoring all the military channels and the civilian channels, and we tr- tried to contact them on military and civilian uh, air channels. Well, they weren't broadcasting on commercial channels trying to reach that commercial airliner. So you would think if they're under a commercial air corridor, they would try to contact that plane on a commercial frequency. They just conveniently tried to, you know, turn off all the commercial channels so they couldn't hear that the the plane was trying to signal to them at the same time they were trying to shoot it down. Yeah, he's a fucking maniac. He, he's he's a fucking CIA spook fucking maniac who has no qualms with killing, uh, you know, 300 innocent people at the drop of a hat to make a political point. Like, that's that's who George Bush is. That's who the, 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 the guy you're fucking revering and crying for at the funeral. That's who that motherfucker is. Uh, yeah. so- well, and, and 
but his attitude is he's performing. Well, he's right? just his like attitude his son. is consistent he's just like, he's a with fucking... the FBI with the CIA. The idea that we don't make mistakes, that everything we do is on purpose, and even if the facts suggest that you know we did fuck up, we must have done it on purpose because we're perfect. Because we don't ever make mistakes, we don't ever apologize. It's that unearned fucking arrogance that that W had, and and I never you know I wasn't alive during uh, where, I, where I was very young during uh, Bush Senior's presidency. Um, but it, it, it's funny, like he, as much of a kind of a wet blanket as he is, he he also has his son's unearned sense of uh, like like entitlement and swagger. Like he has that like, oh, yeah, like, no, of course we're right. Like he, it, it's just it, the fucking arrogance, of that whole fucking goddamn fan. The, the Bushes and the Clintons are the literally the, the, the biggest menaces to world peace. Uh, uh, maybe of two families in, in in world history. I mean, when you when you take the summation of all yeah. the uh, all the members of those two families, it, it's fucking staggering. Well, he, in his his comments there, when he says, you know, I will not apologize for America, like it it just reminds me of Brett Kavanaugh's testimony. Totally. Just just the outrage that anyone would even ask the question, "Do you have any remorse?" You know, it's. Just that it's the the Yale skull and bones bullshit. The idea that you know I shouldn't ever have to be have to consider the possibility that I'm not the most important uh, rich person in the world. That I'm you know I'm above all the rest mm-hmm. of you peasants. Uh, yeah. You know, and it just that, that that whole it feeds into being anti democratic and despising democratically elected elected left wing governments, feeling that they are illegitimate because they don't want to allow white supremacy to run their country from outside yeah um so one of i don't i don't want to say the most horrific but one one of the most horrific uh acts directly ordered by george bush uh was the uh what what later became referred to as the highway of death uh so this is maybe his most blatantly direct war crime uh that he that he ordered committed uh during his his time in office so uh, we had we had defeated the uh, Iraqi troops in Kuwait. You know, we had we had overwhelmed them and swarmed them with cluster bombs and all kinds, and depleted uranium, which we used on them, which people still feel effects from today. Which is another war crime, by the way. Um, and uh, so the Iraqi troops were retreating uh, from Kuwait. They were retreating back to Iraq. The uh, UN had passed a resolution calling on them to retreat, and they were uh, complying. Um, so what George Bush decided to do. Uh, rather than allow them to uh, retreat, which, you know, <laughs> as per the rules of engagement is what you're supposed to do. He had uh, U.S. Air Force uh, drop cluster bombs on their convoy. And what he did was he actually dropped bombs at the front and rear of the convoy, uh, thereby causing a bottleneck, uh, trapping some, uh, I think, like 3,000 vehicles or some some absurd number in this convoy. And this, and then just proceed to cluster bomb them to all hell, like just the most horrific thing you can imagine. Just dropping bomb after bomb on these people who had nowhere that, to run, uh, and, and you know these were soldiers, but that you know they they still this is some this of is, them. Some, there was, a, there there was, was also, a large number of civilians correct, there. You yes. know it, um, but it it's people got to understand this wasn't just a retreating army. It's the Geneva Convention says once you've declared an end to hostilities and the and your opponent is retreating. And you've declared peace. It's a war crime to keep attacking them. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did. No, this is horrific. So I, I want to read a little uh, bit of a little bit of numbers here for you from the uh, Wikipedia. 
regarding this. Uh, PDA estimated that the number killed there to be in the range of 300 to 400 or more, bringing the likely total number of fatalities along both highways to at least 800 uh, or 1,000. A large column composed of remnants of the Hammurabi division attempting to withdraw to safety in Baghdad were also engaged and obliterated deep inside Iraqi territory by General McCaffrey's forces a few days later on March 2nd in a post-war turkey shoot style incident known as the Battle of Romalia. Um, so uh, the attacks became more controversial with some commentators, uh, <laughs> some commentators alleging disproportionate use of force, saying that the Iraqi forces were retreating from Kuwait in compliance with the original UN Resolution 660 of August 2nd, 1990, and that the, con- uh, and that the column allegedly included Kuwaiti hostages uh, and civilian refugees. Uh, the alleged refugees included women and children, members of the uh, pro-Iraqi PLO-aligned Palestinian militants and Kuwaiti collaborators who had fled shortly before the returning Kuwaiti authorities pressured the nearly 200,000 Palestinians to leave Kuwait. Uh, activist and former U.S. Attorney General Ramsey Clark alleged that these attacks violated the Third Geneva Convention, Common Article 3, which outlaws the killing of soldiers who are out of combat, quote, quote unquote, out of combat. Uh, Clark concluded in his 1991 report, War Crimes, a report on the United States War Crimes Against Iraq to the Commission uh, of Inquiry for the International War Crimes Tribunal. Uh, one one more uh, horrific story uh, that, that shouldn't be at all shocking, considering some of the stuff we did in, uh, later in Iraq. Uh, additionally, journalist Seymour Hirsch, citing American witnesses, alleged that a platoon of uh, U.S. Bradley fighting vehicles from the 1st Brigade 24th Infantry Division opened fire on a large group of more than 350 disarmed Iraqi soldiers who had surrendered at a makeshift military checkpoint after fleeing the devastation on Highway 8, uh, apparently hitting some or all of them. The U.S. military intelligence personnel who were manning the checkpoint claimed that they too were fired on from the same vehicles and barely fled by car during the incident. Journalist uh, Georgie Ann Geyer criticized Hirsch article, saying he offered no real proof, uh, and that the U.S. then basically they said that the the, the journalist was saying that the uh, the claims were dismissed by the military after the war, which, which to her was enough proof that they didn't happen. But literally another right. Seymour Hirsch, who uncovered the Miley massacre, yeah. Um, so it's like, well, he can't prove this one, so it must not be. It's like. We know that there were hundreds of people killed. Well, the the, uh, the, not, the U.S. troops manning that that checkpoint said they were also fired on by these fucking maniacs who just were blind firing to this crowd, and they had to retreat in a jeep. So they said their fellow soldiers were fucking shooting at them. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's these these guys are trained to kill. They go over there to invade a country. They're you know I've said it before. They're basically cops with a passport, and you give them free reign to kill whatever they want. And they're going to do it that's it's the fucking born to kill that's what they want to do yeah so and, and that's that's just a horrific horrific atrocity they killed 350 disarmed surrendered soldiers which is just you know i i keep saying the word war crimes but i mean so many people should have been prosecuted and you know potentially executed if not just thrown in the Hague for yeah. the rest of their lives for the shit well, that they people committed. actually went to jail for the Miley massacre. A yeah. couple, a couple of people actually went to jail. Nobody went to jail for this. If you look it up online, it just says Highway of Death. It mm-hmm. doesn't even it doesn't even say Highway of Death massacre, you know, or Highway eighty massacre. They don't even call it that because <laughs> all you see left are the are the vehicles. 
you don't see the actual bodies from from above or anything, you know. So it's yeah. I, I have I have a I had a cousin who was in this conflict. I don't know if he really? was there at that particular thing, but he was infantry. And when he came back, we had sort of a family reunion. Uh, I was pretty young. I was, you know, probably 11 or 12 at the time. And I remember he had a stack of photos because, you know, everyone still shot on little 35 millimeter Polaroids uh, or SLRs. Yeah. Um, he had a stack of photos about half a foot high. He'd taken hundreds and hundreds of photos of prints. And I'm flipping through them, and there was lots of graphic photos he'd taken of people, you know, of bodies who had burned inside their vehicles. Um, there Jeez. was areas where they bombed the. Me, me, he, this sounds like it may he may have even been there, or or other places where they just strafed the road mm-hmm. of people trying to get out because they the the roads became so pocked with bomb craters that they the U.S. Army was coming in and doing like a real rush uh, paving job. Oh wow! I remember this distinctly: paving over a lot of these roads that were already you know pretty banged up to begin with. But just doing like rush asphalt paving and just paving over bodies. And you'd Jeez. see like a body half covered in new asphalt. Yeah. And I remember that was the really like bizarre thing that stood out to me in my memory of not just seeing these bodies, but like no one even cared to bury them. They just paved over them to start moving vehicles around again. You know, that's that's who the U.S. military is. Jesus. And when he, but like when he showed you his pictures, was he like, this is fucking horrific? Or how did he, how was he? I was sort of paging through him on my own and he was busy telling stories to other people. He was a bit older than me, obviously, and we weren't real close. Um, He may have had a story about it. He said, from what I recall, that this was all stuff that happened. Like he got there and all, he kind of saw the scene of what had happened. Mm -hmm. He didn't witness a lot of this stuff, from what I recall him saying. but you know, you're there. You're like, this is fucking crazy. You're gonna take pictures of everything. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course, uh, I would document everything. I, I, he's never. T- he's he. I'd never known him to to really be all pro gung ho war and everything. Uh-huh. But still, you know, he went over there. He was part of it. Yeah. So yeah. Fuck him. Post Vietnam, especially. You knew the kind of shit that they that that troops did. Uh, you know, in service of imperialism uh, you know during vietnam yeah it's like you know that we yep. think it's gonna be fucking better under well ex-cia you know, head I, i'm sure they all thought well we're going to liberate kuwait and iraq is the aggressor there you know but we probably did more damage to kuwait than iraq ever did oh, of course we yeah, have we destroyed their infrastructure used it as an excuse to wage war in iraq for the next 30 years the, 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 the i mean and i say hilarious but i mean the, the just the the insane thing to me is so say and this is not even true but say iraq was you know or you know were the aggressor in that situation and and you know we did need to liberate why would that be our responsibility in the first place to liberate a a country we'd have nothing we have nothing to do with like i can't believe that the american public writ large didn't make the one-to-one connection of like yeah okay but there's shit going on like this everywhere in the world why would we care about this small uh country in the middle east like Clearly, it's because it threatened our oil interests. But, like, why did nobody fucking, you know, uh, of substance make that connection? And, and We did. I remember even when at being, you know, 10, 11 years old, yeah. the when Iraq, when they left Kuwait, they lit a bunch of those oil fields on fire. And that was the big concern was like, oh, no, they're ruining their oil, our oil on the way out. Like, we've got to put a stop to that. We've got to put those fires out. And we really, like, I remember the media at the time... 
really romanticizing these firefighters that were trying to put out these hundreds of oil well fires. <laughs> fucking real. I, you don't remember this? Uh, you, well, I was, you must have I was, a bit too young, I was born but, in 88, so I was yeah, real fucking but the, the, these fires were went on for months because trying to put out an oil well That's fire... Impossible. You remember how long... It burns yeah, to well, the end. You, you remember the, the, the Gulf oil disaster where just to cap that well took four months. And yeah. you remember how much oil spilled? Well, imagine that on fire times hundreds, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and, and it just keeps feeding itself. Like there's the, no matter what right. you do to it, you can't put it out until it basically no. runs out. And and the heat is is unimaginable. You can't get within hundreds of feet of it. So mm-hmm. uh, that was that was once the conflict was over, dominated the news that they Saddam had also had was polluting the planet by burning the oil, um, which of course like we. What do we do with the oil? We of course use it to make, you know, crafts and, and, and other things. We yeah, don't we don't, we don't know, also bi- burn it. bicycle seats. Um and I just remember that thinking like, my God, it's so naked and blatant and apparent and, and so obvious what yeah. we go over there for. And I was ten <laughs> at the time. Um but you know, I had good teachers, so I yeah, I was pretty smart. I remember it was even bef- even before that. Uh, I remember seeing bumper stickers saying, you know, let the Pentagon hold a bake sale the next time they want a B B fifty two bomber. <laughs> uh, we need to fund our schools. Like I remember seeing bumper stickers like that's, that as a kid, great. and being, you know, e- even like from the ages of five to ten, and I and I knew what that was. So I already knew that what austerity was, where we didn't have enough money for schools and had to sell cupcakes to afford books. While we had all the money in the world to uh, create war, weapons we of mass destruction, <laughs> Tupac yeah, fucking exactly. had it right back in '92 or whatever year it was. Um, he had good teachers too. He did. That dude was really fucking smart. Like people don't realize because he's they think of like oh he's like a gangster rapper and like all the shit. That dude like if, when you listen to him talk like in interviews just candidly about about uh, capitalism, he's. You know, yeah, I think most people who have know him have they sure, know that side sure. of him or they know that stuff, but uh, I don't think that yeah, stuff no, gets it, focused it, on. It's, it's like good. He's, it's good. Yeah, he was another great voice for you know that was killed in uh, not killed the way that like a Fred Hampton was killed, but it's a fucking shame that he was killed because he would also be an excellent voice, you know, for radical change. I think if he was still alive. Um, but anyway, well. Who's to say the FBI didn't have a role in that? Uh, yeah. yeah, please. Know. Who knows? I mean, I uh, know. <laughs> wouldn't put anything past him. So, well, um, I again going back to my youth, I remember when Tupac got shot, mm-hmm. uh, and even though he got hit like with four bullets, four to six bullets, I think they announced um, after several days of him being in the ECU that he was expected to make a full recovery. Huh. And everyone, and then it wasn't in the news anymore. It was just, oh, he got shot. He's recovering. And it was like a week later that they announced he's, he was dead really suddenly. And I was like, what? They just told us a week ago on Channel One, the little fucking corporate news thing they piped into our you know second period uh, class every day, that he was going to be fine a week prior. And I thought that was really weird, and no one else really paid attention. I was like, you get shot four times, you can live. And if they think you're going to be fine, you don't usually die a week later. You know, <laughs> and it's very uh, strange. Yeah. So I've always thought the conspiracy was was that he knew people were out to get him, and he faked his own death. Like he actually got shot, but then basically declared a fake death, and he fled the country, and he's actually like in Cuba and has lived the rest of his life in Cuba from there. Yeah, a lot of people think that. Like that's a like you know, 
There was like a photo. He kept going coming around. out with new albums for years <laughs> after he died. So Did you ever see that uh, Chappelle show skit where where like he's like, Man, you ever been in the club and a new Tupac track comes on? And it and it's just like Dave Chappelle like doing a Tupac rap voice and it's like he's talking about like George W. Bush and like and like all this like modern day stuff and he's like, I'm not alive. It's a really funny fucking <laughs> it's a really funny I song. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, um anyway, it's just yeah. you never know. He might be out there somewhere still. Yeah. Um so that's that's the guy that everyone's celebrating, George Bush, that fucking maniac piece of shit, uh, bloodthirsty lunatic. And that's the guy that everyone's crying about and that we had to close fucking essential services like the post office uh, for a day for no fucking reason. Hey, I got the day off with pay. No, so look, I'm glad federal honestly... employees got the day off, but it's like, <laughs> wh- why would you close the post? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it's fucking nonsensical. So people could... It, you're, you're forcing people... To mourn for a piece of shit like George Bush, yet we can't have a fucking federal holiday for Election Day. What the fuck is wrong with this country when that's our priority? Yeah, I, I tweeted out something to that effect. But hey, you know, I could if we could have a, a new right wing war criminal or even the the centrist war criminals die every day, I and get it and not have to work <laughs> with pay. I would do away with the post office. Be like, look, we're great for a while, but we got we got a clean house for a couple of years here. Hey, Try to get a job with them. Be cool. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do you get the day off with pay. oh yeah no that would be fucking great <laughs> hey no look why do you think i'm trying to get a job with them they have an incredible uh benefits package and incredible perks oh uh, yeah you get, you get probably you get paid more than i do as a, as a federal 30 uh, year federal retirement agent. you know yeah oh Full i just got health. a um un, unannounced raise today they're like oh hey your your wage is going up and i was like oh i I didn't even know that. They're like, "Yep, we we're gonna pay all of you more." I'm like, sweet, sweet, right? sweet. Can't yeah. hire any more of us, but you can pay us more. <laughs> Working for the government in 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 civil positions is fucking great. Like, I would never work for the government in any kind of a military yeah, division, but civil civil work in the government's fucking civil services is amazing yeah it's awesome the evaluations are really like constructive you know like you never feel like they're threatening your job if you don't perform better constantly um they let you set your own goals to work more towards Um, it's so funny when there's no profit motive attached to uh the completion of work that's meant to help others you actually are like encouraged to get better at your job and to to do well and not you know exactly there's an understanding that people have different skill sets and that you're supposed to continue to approve improve based on your own ability which you know each according to their ability is pretty fucking communist <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so so you know civil services are great but somebody men- did mention like you know everyone's complaining but it's actually a great way to honor a dead republican uh by denying people essential services they need for it <laughs> <laughs> basically <laughs> um, um. So, yeah, he can go fuck himself. And, you know, the funeral, of course, is this big fucking garish bullshit spectacle. And they have him lying in state and everyone comes. And Oh, it's like we want to be royalty. It's like there's still a big chunk of the country that wants us to have be a monarchy. When you see the kind of state funerals they throw. It's disgusting. And, and you're expected to, to either say something nice or not say anything at all about it. And, you know, it, George Bush's victims be fucking damned. I'm sure none of the people that we paved over with fucking asphalt in Iraq got a lying in state funeral where a bunch of war criminals showed up and sat in the front row. No, um, body parts got but turned the dust by molten a- asphalt. Yeah, but we're the assholes if we if we talk about the man honestly and 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 say that we would never celebrate a piece of shit like him. So, you know, 
that's res- but that's respectability politics. It's you know the media, which is run by the people uh, like the Bushes uh, and the Clintons, who fucking demand that kind of uh, cover for their atrocities, uh, criticizing people when they actually you know state true facts about the heinous things that these people do. So. Like I'm never well, gonna I mean, fucking it, not criticize. It's that huge shit. ratings. Uh, you look at all the coverage. It's an extremely favorable pro-America propaganda. I mean, for it, for on, on one hand, it, it is huge ratings for the networks, and they are all corporate networks. That's all that they care about is their bottom line. But then at the same time, like we know that the CIA directly pays for positive coverage of things <laughs> oh, yeah. like the police and the government in general, and especially right-wing uh, political figures. The, the CIA pays for that. Um, I can't tell you how many times a day I see just like a public interest story about a cop doing a good deed. And it's like, how is this on the on the homepage of MSN.com for some little fucking rinky dink cop that like, oh, bought shoes for a homeless guy. There's so many articles like that. And it's like, you know, that the people in charge of media propaganda at the end of the day is going to be the CIA. They're the ones that write state propaganda or or do multi uh, multi hundred million dollar deals with giant newspapers like the Washington Post. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, everyone, of course, was uh, fawning over George Bush, you know, because he gave another candy to, to Michelle Obama because he knows that the media are literally like fucking dogs where you give them a little treat and they will fawn over you despite the fact that you're a fucking monster, you know, who committed just as many atrocities as your father. Uh, and then, of course, he gives a speech where he, you know, breaks down crying and everyone's like, oh, this is so sad. He's crying over over the loss of his father. I'm like, and I and I made a tweet about this. And I'm actually a little salty that it didn't blow up uh, b- bigger than it did, where I said, essentially, uh, the only time I want to see George Bush uh, crying is at his war crimes tribunal. I don't want to see George there Bush fucking crying on my TV. <laughs> You know. Like the guy that stood up during his war crimes trial and like, <laughs> the, the shot a poison. <laughs> and the judge is just like, well, I guess we're done here. <laughs> no, that's the funny, like, it, it amazes me that that's not like from like a sketch comedy show. Like he literally stands up, drinks poison, and, and then says out loud, I have ingested poison. And then the judge like looks around and shuffles nervously and goes, uh, 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 uh. and then they like pull a curtain. And then like, that's how it fucking. Yeah. <laughs> You see the shit that goes on in like other countries where somebody wants to disrupt parliament, so they throw a smoke bomb. Oh, I love you know? that shit. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like you think our discourse is too divided in this country. Oh my god! Yeah. Go go over to some some Eastern European you know uh, parliamentary things and tell me that. Um, yeah, it, and it really disgusts me because you know this idea of of respecting these monsters, these war criminals, doesn't in just infect centrist liberals. I got blocked by somebody today whose uh, screen name was or, or handle was Tenured Radical. And she was a professor <laughs> at the New School in New York, right? Which is supposed to be one of the most far left wing uh, uh, academic institutions in the country. And her tweet was, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think about all the awful things he, does, he did uh, talking about George W. Bush. When I see him standing there crying, I just want to hug him. And she got fucking dragged for that shit oh, hard. God. And then as a follow-up started tweeting, I just don't understand how the left has become so hateful and, and poisonous because she was getting dragged so hard. And I fucking responded to her. I was like, you are getting dragged for excusing a war criminal. You need to look at yourself in the fucking mirror right now because this is happening to you because you said something terrible about a terrible person and everyone's pissed off about it. 
So of course she blocked me. Yeah. Well, I, I would love for her to, to to show the 2003 version of herself that tweet and and watch the 2003 version of herself punch her in the face, like because, uh. <laughs> or maybe not. Who knows? Maybe she was full of shit back then too. But at the the New York New York I don't even get me started on New York City liberals. They're the fucking worst. They they just this this professional business class liberal elite who who love to think that they're super far lefties, but you know always say things like oh well I like Bernie, but like whenever you hear that but you're like okay you're you're a fucking neoliberal conservative piece of shit like you think you're not but you really are like and and it's just i can't take those people i they, they, they're worse to me than conservatives because they, yeah. they they have no idea who they are and they pretend that there's what something they're not well and you saw this huge crossover in, in in 2016 between a, a very certain kind of social justice warrior the ones that are really hung up on identity politics and not working class struggle and and those people who really identified with the centrist liberal identity politics of hillary clinton and it was suddenly like all of their left-wing stuff disappeared and they just seamlessly merged into centrism right and i and i feel like a lot of the you know the negative connotations of that term sjw are appropriate mm-hmm. uh the people who would rather uh tear down the stairs than build a wheelchair ramp those kind of people mm-hmm. um and yeah just when you see somebody who claims to be a tenured radical <laughs> at a at a left wing <laughs> school saying that they just want to hug a war criminal like there, there's something broken in that person's mind yeah no there really is and that's the same people during 2016 who defended uh taking money from fucking wall street and the big banks like that's if if you find oh, yeah. yourself defending Wall Street, uh, you're not a you're not a left. You're not a leftist. You're not a, you're you're barely a liberal. Like you're you're, you're a fucking uh, centrist. You know, uh, neoliberal, uh, cons- economically conservative, uh, yeah. douchebag. Uh, Ronald Reagan. You're well, Ronald Reagan, basically. Is what you and are. I think folks like us are immune to that, though. I I catch myself, or I catch others sometimes, where I'll I'll recognize an institutional problem that somebody we like is now going to be a part of because they're now joining the government. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's always going to be uh, this, the, the joint chiefs of staff is always going to be there. We can't really change that. So you can't really see, you know, it's like, no, you can't, you gotta, you gotta still be moral in an immoral space sure. you know, and not try to, uh, you know, as long as the people who we're rooting for are out there vocally opposing it um, and trying to use their, their power, um, not not to intentionally transition, but obviously people like Alexander Ocasio Cortez uh, amazingly yeah. destroyed Trump Jr. today when he oh, was man, joking was about great. something about socialist eating dogs. <laughs> she kept calling him Jr. Getting... Oh, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, and she said, "You might not want to fuck with me because I'm about to have subpoena power over your family." <laughs> and it was just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, no, that fourteen thousand that... retweets in a matter of like an hour. That was such oh, big dick shit. energy. Like that was that was amazing. Oh, the biggest. Um, that she's not going to even be able to get into her office at DC. That energy, that big dick energy, yeah. is going to be so big. <laughs> so we'll talk um, about AOC. But basically, uh, yeah. Uh, in summation, uh, you know, rest in piss, George W. Bush or George H. W. Bush. Well, George rest W. Bush also, <laughs> you know, a preemptive rest in piss to George W. Bush as well. Um, there you go. Oh, did you find out if you can put that in the title or not? I didn't even look. Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll think about it. <laughs> we'll after find out. Um, so, uh, yeah, iTunes is very restrictive. Uh, uh, rules where they'll basically take your podcast down if you put like any kind of swear word in the title or even like really vulgar. i didn't think piss was swearing but well i don't know if it is little, um the, the hey, upside shit, down piss, fuck, cock, motherfucker, tits, fart, turn. it's one of the seven <laughs> words 
Although those aren't yeah. actually seven, you know, that, that wasn't a real list. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, you mentioned AOC. Uh, I want to talk about some of the stuff she tweeted out about uh, congressional orientation. But before that, I want to mention uh, the climate change town hall that she took part in, uh, which was organized by Bernie Sanders, uh, at, you know, in, in association with uh, a lot of the new media orgs, TYT, now this, uh, you know, Newsy, all those groups. And um, well, did, did I heard that CNN and CBS also ran it? They covered. I, they covered it. I don't think they actually were partners. But no, I wouldn't think they would show more in a couple sound bites, really. But I think I and I genuinely think, uh, and this is the amazing thing about AOC is that they were there for her because Bernie's run these things before and they don't show up. I think it was the fact that she was there and they're desperate to get her, uh, to catch her in a slip up that they sent their reporters there. And then, you know, consequently, they, you know, ended up uh, providing coverage, at least some fashion, to a uh, extremely important event that you'd never see on mainstream television. Uh, because if this was on CNN, they would have Rick Santorum on and a bunch of fucking uh, right-wing dickholes who have no idea what they're talking about when it comes <laughs> yeah. to climate change. They, they'd still have Van Jones, but they'd have Rick Santorum yeah. there to balance out and they would how let them radical talk equally. Van Jones is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, the, the people that the people that think Van Jones is radical, I know, and, and, and I and I, just, you know, Van Jones is is he's he's more of a, in like the TYT wing of 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 the of the progressive you know left or whatever. I, I I don't have a huge issue with him, although I think he's obviously way too centrist for my blood. Um, but he was really good on this. I I, I really enjoyed him uh, during that yeah. that town hall. And well, he, he he got a lot of shit when Trump did his first uh, State of the Union address. Oh and Van Jones said <laughs> he actually did a good job. People were like, "How dare you!" And he was like giving an accurate uh, an accurate summation of the State of the Union address. They were they were judging it based on the quality of the address, whether you like Bush or not. And he said, "Yeah, this is the first time he's actually sounded presidential." And they fucking tore him apart for it. And he was right. Trump actually sounded presidential for maybe one of the only times in his whole his Yeah, because he just presidency. read off of a prompter the entire time and didn't have to <laughs> say anything. Um, right. But so uh, Bernie put together this town hall with a bunch of climate scientists, uh, and it was really uh, great to watch. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, the problem with climate change is that, and, and uh, you know, Dave Anthony has talked a lot about this because he's read he, he started a group to basically combat this phenomenon. But essentially, the climate change uh, crisis is so uh, overwhelming and so vast and so um, unchangeable in some ways that when people start hearing facts about it, they they just shut down because they they, they can't process something uh, a political problem where it seems like there's no solution in sight or there it seems like nothing that they do will matter in the end because we've already uh gone on too long without addressing climate change and and things are going to get horrible no matter what we do now of course things are going to get way more horrible if we don't do everything we can to completely convert uh to 100 renewable energy but no matter what we do even if we did that in 10 years Things are still going to get bad. They just won't get as bad as if we kept on our current course, uh, you know, and, and just completely burned up all the fossil fuel reserves we had. Like, it's just so essentially um, people just shut down. But I think that this uh, panel that he put together was a really inspiring in a lot of ways panel 
for the most part and it, and it really uh hi, it, i i think this is this is what you need to do is to have these kinds of conversations with with people who can convey a message and convey a message in an inspiring way um because that's the only thing that's going to get people to actually fight on this issue and we saw you know oh exactly i mean no al gore is not inspiring on climate change or or anything Um, else bill mckibben is not inspiring on climate change josh fox is somewhat inspiring on climate change he puts together Um, inspiring documentaries but he's he's he can be depressing too yeah i he's very realistic sure almost fatalistic at times mm-hmm. and then he kind of flips it around and make it you know i, I he's a filmmaker like you got to sell a story right or you know, yeah. not sell a story to make money but you got to you got to make the story uh emotionally investing well right? like uh um, how to let go of the world I, people should check out our episode about that by the way we did a movie review of one of josh's oh, films how, right. to, how to let go of the world we which did. is a beautiful documentary but it's really fucking tough to watch and a beautiful podcast that we did about it too yeah so. that was a good Dig into, dig into our archives yeah. in America. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's a really tough thing to to even listen to people talk about climate change because you feel so fucking helpless. But, um, you know, I, th- th- I've seen uh, genuinely the first ray of, of hope I've seen uh, in a long time uh, out of young people, people even younger than myself, you know, the Sunrise Movement, these people that that occupied uh, Nancy Pelosi's office and demanded that she stop with her neoliberal bullshit and actually took some action on climate change uh, and, and put together a committee to pass a green new deal. And, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez risked a lot of political capital by joining that protest. uh, And she did so. And now you have people on cable news and in the public talking about a green new deal, which is not something I could have ever conceived of even two years ago. Do you um, think she really risked anything? I mean, she doesn't really have any capital yet to risk. I well, think it was a pretty safe bet for where she was coming from. I don't know. I, I think she. I think she risked uh, g- gaining any potential capital. Like she could, you know, uh, the the a fre- incoming freshman congressperson uh, is very reliant on the speaker to uh, do anything in terms of usher them commi- in. Yeah, of yeah, course, committee positions or um, anything like that. But she. Uh, Knew exactly what she wanted to say. It wasn't like Al Gore is like, oh, I better figure out what my favorite Beatles song is before I answer the question. <laughs> uh, you know, she, this is, this is what she song. does better. She's clearly more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's clearly, of course, you would say that, the worst one. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I just made that up, but I'm sure that's what he fucking said just to try to sound uh, interesting. Don't say Ringo. Don't, don't say Ringo. Don't say Ringo. Don't say Ringo. Oh, Ringo Starr. Sure. Damn it. Um, you know, but I think she's just more comfortable doing that. So she doesn't have to process the idea. She's just like, why wouldn't I go there? I don't think she probably even thought about why mm-hmm. she wouldn't. She just said, well, I can see how some people will be shook by it, but I, this is what my heart tells me is it the right thing to go do. She has amazing political instincts, more so than even Bernie does, because I don't think Bernie would do something like that. And he hasn't, you know, historically well, done anything like that. What, like, you know. Bernie had good instincts, but he was trying to do everything from outside a major party, and it took him 10 years before he figured out that he had to move to a state where he could do that, for one, and then finally did have to kind of get more into that party. But um, I don't know. I just I, I see everything that she does. And she's not walking on water by any means, but she can articulate stuff in ways that nobody can really refute and do get people fired up. 
And even when she did the, the thing in Pelosi's office, people had a hard, hard time criticizing her for it. Mm-hmm. They really had to, to, to bend over backwards. Even Pelosi to find fault. Couldn't, couldn't publicly criticize her, even though I'm sure she was furious yeah. about it. Um, so I want to play a little audio from uh, Ocasio during the uh, climate change down hall because she had a really inspiring speech. Uh, it, there's a video from now this. So there's, of course, inspiring piano music underneath it. Uh, but it, it's a good. It's a good little uh, snippet of audio. By the way, there was another great moment, um, which I don't have the audio from, but from this town hall where Van Jones essentially was saying to her, like, look, my generation, we failed to do something on this, but I think you're going to do it. Like, I think you're going to I think you're going to win on this. And then she goes, no, 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 we're like and and this was not like rehearsed all, but it was just like she she just instinctively knows. She goes, no, 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 we're going to win on this. And she pointed to like all the young people in the room. I don't know. I felt like Van Jones gave that to her to keep like he kind of gave her that moment for her to be like, "Eh, you never know. You never know. But I think he was trying to say something genuine, but knew if he phrased it like that, maybe that she would turn it around and like share it with the room, you know. Maybe, but uh, but she anyway. but she had the instincts to do that, which I, I appreciate it. Exactly, exactly. And that was a nice moment. Um, but here's here here's what she was uh, just a snippet uh, of what she had to say during this town hall. It's unsurprising that the response to any bold proposal that we have is to incite fear to incite fear of loss, to incite fear of others, to incite fear of our future. But the only way we are going to get out of this situation is by choosing to be courageous. That's the only way we're gonna get out of this. And first of all, it's just plain wrong. The idea that we're going to somehow lose economic activity, as a matter of fact, uh, it's not just possible that we will create jobs and economic activity by by uh, transitioning to renewable energy but it's inevitable that we are going to create jobs it's inevitable that we're going to create industry and it's inevitable that we can use the transition to 100 percent renewable energy as the vehicle to truly deliver and establish economic social and racial justice in the united states of america that is our proposal and that is what we are here to do because in the depths of darkness in the depths of despair which what we last saw you know when we think about where we were when the new deal was established we were a nation in depression in great depression we were a nation on the brink of war we saw the rise of fascism creeping across in 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 europe and no one would thought that a nation so poor, so scarce, and, and so in such dire straits as we were in that time could pursue such a bold economic agenda. But we chose to do it anyway. We had the courage to do it anyway. And that is what this moment demands of us right now. That's what we have to do. We have to, this is going to be the great society, the moonshot, the civil rights movement of our generation. That is the scale that is the scale of the ambition that this movement is going to require. What we all understand is that we're fighting for the future of the planet. But what Alexandria is talking about is that not only can we effectively combat climate change, but in the process, we can do good economics and create millions of good paying jobs here and throughout the world. This is not just an economic solution. This is the, the mechanism through which we can really deliver justice to communities that have been underserved. The water in Flint is still dirty. The water in Flint is still dirty. 
We've got children, Van and I were talking earlier, we've got children that are, that are choking on the smoke in California. Those same, the same children and rather children mirrored of those children in Puerto Rico are, cho are choking on the fungal spores because we have not recuperated from the crisis and the mold from the floods is, is taking up all of these people's homes. We have injustices in this country. Those injustices are concentrated in frontline communities and in indigenous black and brown communities. They are the ones that experienced the greatest depths of this injustice. But if we chose and if we had the moral, political and economic courage to say, we're going to fix all the pipes in Flint, we would put a lot of people to work on at that at the same time. And that is what this is about. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was pretty great. I have to. I must admit, I have to agree with the 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 the, uh, the pundits and the consultants that I don't think she would get many votes uh, outside of Queens or Brooklyn. Uh, I don't. I don't know how her message would would resonate with anyone else. Um, yeah. No. I mean, to, to fucking. How do you hit it out of the park better than that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, in, in people who. I, did you see the, the the tweet from the guy who said that at a Upper West Side Manhattan comedy oh. event, people were like somebody mentioned Bernie Sanders. Comedy and people, review like, only gave tepid clapping, and it's like, "See America, Bernie's not going to do well." And it's like Upper West Side Manhattan. By the way, this guy club. was like okay. a seventy-five year old bow tie wearing fucking dweeb yeah. with like a sweater vest. It's like, yeah, and this guy's comedy like the, review. I really don't. The, the, the people that have it so well, they're so fucking well off that they don't understand that Flint is still having a drink bottle of water because the water's poisoned, or that Puerto Rico is still a fucking you know chaos down there. Only just got their power back on two months ago after having it be off for like ten fucking months. Like they're, they're so divorced from that level of. Uh, economic and and climate injustice, they have no fucking clue how many people hear what she just said and are fucking you know standing up on their chairs applauding. Yeah. They have they have no sense of of how much that message right now resonates with people. I just imagine everyone at that comedy review, like nobody in the room claps. Everyone just does the snapping thing after everyone speaks. You know, like the fucking poetry jam type thing. Oh right. Um, I was like, where where is there even a comedy club in the Upper West Side? Oh, isn't that isn't that all? fucking financials shit there. yeah well it was probably a comedy review at some fucking art gallery whatever uh, so in any event um yeah and i, I just I, you know so it's such it's such an inspiring especially the thing she was saying about you know how this could be our great society this could be our moonshot moment like and this is the 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 defining crisis of our time of our generation is this climate crisis and you know well, and we she references FDR and the New Deal, you know, mm -hmm. not by name, but we're, they're calling this the Green New Deal. So <laughs> you don't have to really say FDR. Anyone who knows FDR knows the New Deal, uh, Francis Perkins and everything. But she talks about it purely in the economic terms, right? But it, people forget their history, or maybe they don't forget the history. Uh, a, a big part of getting out of the Depression was environmental justice, because I don't know if you remember the Dust Bowl years, but uh, our practice of clear cutting the entire continent. Uh, it, it created the Dust Bowl. Yeah, it right? didn't just and happen on its own. Like, right. So part of part of the you know it wasn't just the WPA. It wasn't just government jobs. It was putting three million men to work planting trees. Yeah. The Civilian Conservation Corps was a huge uh, environmental reparation 
not just for wildlands, but for farmland and uh, for marshes and streams and restoring all the environmental damage we've done in colonizing this continent. Um, I mean, at least well, to, at least to a lot of the earth. And that's and and that you really is 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 what you we see mirrored now in that in that bill that Bernie uh, put forth recently, the jobs guarantee, the federal jobs guarantee bill. It's a it's a big giant public works bill with a lot of it going towards uh, energy infrastructure uh, and you know green jobs like that. And that's something that uh, is is you know pardon the pun, but that's an evergreen uh, need that we have as a country is, is those oh, jobs. Yeah. So, so the um, the reason I got my job with State Department, I mean, I'm technically a subcontractor, and the company uh, who employs thousands of people in this city, mostly through government contracts, so it's like that what they specialize in. In order to work for them, you have to have be evaluated as, as having some form of disability, right? So I work with a lot of people who are physically disabled or have some kind of, you know, whatever their their disability is. It can be um, anxiety or depression, whatever epilepsy, uh, whatever. Uh, but it's it's all organized through the hiring. Most of the hiring is organized through a state public works program, and it's not just getting people a job. It's not just guaranteeing someone a job. It's providing them whatever kind of um, support they need to keep that job, which yeah. involves on-site counseling. All of us have assigned our own counselor there that we can see whenever we want to. So if shit's not going well, they can help mediate that. Uh, they can help you understand your benefits. Like they're basically there to, to support you like a ship's counselor, you know, like on fucking Star Trek, they have a ship's counselor and you can just go there and you know, their, their job is to help you. And uh, so, so understanding that better, I think, um, a, a jobs guarantee is not just making sure you have a job, but making sure you thrive at a job to give you the stuff you need to make it not so competitive and make it more cooperative. Um, I, I think that's going to be the future in a lot of ways that if you're a company not doing that, you're going to not maintain talent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not going to, and, and you know, you're not going to get this. And this is the fundamental flaw of capitalism is that they, they it, it doesn't take into account, human need it, it just it just assumes that you know human capital is completely expendable and you can grind your workers into dust to extract as much profit as possible but it doesn't understand that you when you when you overwork your employees and you don't provide a living wage to them you don't provide the proper health benefits to them it's an inverse effect like you may be saving money in the short term and that's going to make your shareholders happy when you show like a tick up in profit for a quarter but your long-term growth as a company is going to be in the fucking shitter because you're not taking care of your your human capital. You're 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 literally, you know, uh, exploiting it and grinding it down to dust so you can maintain the short-term, you know, casino, well, uh, you know, profit bullshit of of you know capitalism. It's just it's such an inherently stupid, flawed they, system. They even call the whole the whole thing is human resources. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so yeah. it gives away the game too. Yeah, and, and just killing the planet. Yeah, um, I mean, there's it's, that it's, too. It's, it's an ex. It's a total externality. You know. Yeah. Um. We, for back in the day when Adbusters magazine first started about talking about true cost economics, it seemed like a pipe dream. And there's a few companies now talking about a triple bottom line, but at the end of the day, money still is the first primary thing right yeah. and if it, there's a way to make more money and s spend less on recycling they're gonna do it sure. <laughs> you know 
um, they'll they'll spend or just for PR efforts they'll spend uh, for every dollar they spend on some green initiative they'll spend ninety dollars promoting themselves for that green initiative. So it's it's totally it's just a total wash. Speaking of speaking of bullshit headlines, I just saw this on Twitter. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez mocked mocked for linking racism to climate change. What? <laughs> <laughs> like if you Mark don't understand the connection between racism and climate change, you should be fucking mocked. This yeah. is on yahoo.com of all places. I'm sure I didn't even know that you know, I didn't know that existed still. Shit like Tucker Carlson or somebody, but um probably. Guess what the liberals thought think now yeah. that racism is causing climate change instead of fossil fuel. These fucking lunatics. Yeah. Um yeah. so I, I want to briefly mention, uh, before we get out of here, a couple of things that uh, Ocasio-Cortez tweeted today and also Rashida Tlaib tweeted today. So they had, uh, you know, right now they're going through basically freshman orientation for, for you know, becoming new members of Congress. Um, and that's a process that has been totally, you know, secret to the American public writ large for uh, the entirety of, of U.S. history, essentially, bar a few small leaks. And um AOC's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to tweet about what's happening. Like, you know, I don't, I, you know, the, 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 why would I not say what's going on right now? This is ridiculous. So she tweeted today. Um, right now, freshman members of Congress are at a quote unquote bipartisan orientation with briefings on issues. Invited panelists offer insights to inform new Congress members' views as they prepare to legislate. Number of corporate CEOs we've listened to here? Four. Number of labor leaders? Zero. Our bipartisan congressional orientation is co-hosted by a corporate lobbyist group. Other members have quietly expressed to me their concern that this wasn't told to us in advance. Lobbyists are here. Goldman Sachs is here. Whereas labor, activists, frontline community leaders. Uh, So then Rashida Tlaib quote tweeted that and added uh, Gary Cohn, former CEO of Goldman Sachs, addressed new members of Congress today. Uh, quote, you guys are, I'll, I'll try to do it in the voice I imagine him in because he sounds like a fucking mook piece of shit. Uh, yeah, you guys are weighing over your head. Uh, you don't know how the game is played. No, Gary, you don't know what's coming. A revolutionary Congress that puts people over profits. Um, so yeah, Gary Cohn, former president of Goldman Sachs, was president during the most blatantly uh, illegal uh disgusting practices uh, ever carried out on wall street which is saying something it, it's amazing that he's so frank when you know he just says she doesn't know how the game's played it's like <laughs> fucking you should, admitting he should the be corruption. in fucking jail gary Cohn should be in fucking jail you know getting butt fucked by his fucking cellmate every day yet, hey, he, yet he's hey, hey. yet he's no yet he's here in congress fucking talking down to to people who actually were elected to serve their country. What the fuck has Gary Cohn ever done for this fucking country? He's fucking destroyed wow. this country for profit. Like that's all. And why, why is he taking, why is he even allowed in Congress? People should be punching him in the fucking face every time he steps out of his fucking door. Like, why is he allowed well, to walk freely in the streets like that? I, I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, you get quoted enough times and people just think, well, you know, money talks. Um, so just real quick, that Acacia mocked for Lincoln racism in a climate change article. First line, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez has declared that renewable energy can be the vehicle to ending racism. And t- Twitter is totally not on board. And then you scroll down and see the embedded tweets that they found from just random people. Uh, first one, dumbest thing I've ever heard. Bigotry isn't based on weather. 24 likes. 
<laughs> that made it to Yahoo News. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one. Uh, thirty likes. Uh, real, 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 yeah, real big numbers somebody, they're putting up. Somebody tweeted a GIF of the guy from uh, Happy Gilmore saying everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Nineteen likes. <laughs> that made it to Yahoo News. <laughs> Nineteen likes. <laughs> that fucking embedded tweet, and you know it's like, of course they're they're fucking no. How dumb do you have to be to think that she said? Uh, solving climate change will solve racism. That's it's just they're they're fucking idiots. These people are fucking idiots. And whoever wrote this this little blurb on Yahoo News knows exactly what she said. They know that they know better. But it's just you know like she's become for people who don't care about right or wrong. Uh, she's the lightning rod, right? So mm-hmm. it's just whatever they can find to, to print, they know people will click on it, right? Mm-hmm. So at least in that sense, I think you're right in that. Um, the media can't ignore her. CNN and CBS can't ignore her uh, now. So when she's, you know, pushed to shame people like this um, fucking, whatever his fucking name was, you just said. Derek uh, Or, yeah, it's like anything he says, she can tear apart and the media can't ignore it. Right. Yeah. So. Um, Former economic advisor yeah. to Trump, by the way, who uh, <laughs> he's Jewish and he threatened to quit but didn't quit after president trump said that there were uh good people on both sides after charlottesville so when 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 donald trump said there are good people on the nazi side gary Cohn didn't quit but he did quit when trump uh pulled out of nafta the the original nafta so so trump was too (laughs) too 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 not not neoliberal enough on trade for him so that's why he left the administration as an economic advisor that's who that fucking asshole is um but yeah, I, that, that's hilarious that they 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 c- compile things with twenty and thirty likes and act like it's you know so like Twitter's not on board. I, I had a tweet the other day that got a thousand and fifty likes, two hundred and forty retweets, and forty five thousand impressions. Uh, which, by the way, I did meant I did want to bring this up during the Bush thing and I forgot. But this is even worse than that idiot that you mentioned earlier. Uh, so Jax the Ripper is her name on Twitter. Uh, she tweeted, uh, you assholes disparaging Bush even after he died simply because he was a Republican and you didn't like his policies or the things he did. You're just as deplorable as Trump. You, you're li- And this is a liberal, by the way. I looked at her, her profile. This is not a conservative. Um, you were literally no better than him. You're doing to Bush what Trump did to McCain. Marinate on, marinate on that. Uh, and then somebody said, wait for it, Hitler. Uh, you know, saying like you did, didn't like him because of the policies and things he did. Uh, and then she tweeted, uh, I wasn't alive when Hitler died, but even if I would have, <laughs> but even if I was, I would have had the decency to keep my mouth shut. You want to revel in what? someone's death, it shows your character. Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Oh, man. So, Every time I think liberals can't become more liberal, they become even more fucking liberal. Well, so the tweet I put, I quote tweeted that, and I said, I found it, the worst liberal tweet of all time, and I got uh, 45,000 impressions on that one. But I, I didn't make any that. Twitter moments uh, from that one. But, I mean, how fucking dumb can you be? Like, how fucking unbelievably up your own I don't ass. know who this Hitler guy is, because I wasn't <laughs> around then, and I apparently never went to school. But I would have the decency, if he, if he died, to not disparage his name. I mean, geez, the least we could do is offer him some respect in death, you know? Think how his family felt, Anthony. Did you think about that? <laughs> Typical, I, intolerant left. Come on, little, little, you know, Kimmy Hitler, I'm sure she was, she was, she was 
<laughs> despondent when 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 her father died. You know, it, it's just yeah, of uh. course. It, it's just it's just so that there's 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 such parodies at this point. It, it it's fucking unreal to me. Well, um, it's it's great when you can mock that person and then they still can't help themselves and wade further into just the <laughs> the, the self own. Yeah. Of. Like... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I uh, saw when you there was a bunch of people that that reposted that after I saw uh-huh, you repost yeah. it first, um, and it was just like whoever said wait for it Hitler <laughs> was a fucking genius. <laughs> Well, because they knew they knew she would defend it. Like she, she like it, it, people like that are so hilariously stupid and unself-aware. It, it's just a crop of like Krasenstein brother types, like where they right. just have no shame or 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 sense of humiliation. You know, it's it's because they're backed into a corner, and the only way they can they in their in their minds to not look more ridiculous is digging. to double down. <laughs> just keep yeah, digging and the it's, fucking it, hole. It's like. Yeah, you paint yourself into a corner, and it's like, well, I might as well paint my feet too, because then I'll look committed to the idea, and oh, you know, and then I'll just block everyone that I can't stand, and I'll log off, and uh, you know, tell everyone that Bernie Bros are jerks and sexist. Yep. Yeah. Um. So that happened <laughs> this week. <laughs> Holy fuck! Well, you know, th- things are things are at least in in some aspects. Uh, at least looking relatively positive, but you know, we still have to deal with nonsense like that. And, and Oh, uh, real, real quick. Yeah. Uh, so I looked up the, the author of the, uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez mocked for Lincoln racism and climate change article. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, the person's last previous article was parents claim an elf murder activity at school left her child traumatized. <laughs> they love, they love news. To f- they loved it. these fucking conservative dickbags. Uh, like I, they love to find one fucking over the top histrionic liberal, like stupid, like you know, human interest story, and act as if that's the entire left is like talking about banning Christmas songs and like you know, uh, you know, or like that that PETA t- uh, tweet the other day. Like the, you saw that thing about like using how like words matter and you shouldn't use phrases like. Uh, kill two birds with one stone you should say things like um feed two birds with one scone or something like uh that. yeah yeah well did you see like the the marxist version of that somebody redid <laughs> well there were a lot of funny respondents i don't know if i saw that particular oh one. it was you shouldn't say uh pigs in a blanket you should say uh cops in a blanket oh yes yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> um you shouldn't say one. fat cat good. you should just you shouldn't say fat cat. You should say bourgeoisie. <laughs> so somebody did a really good mock up of that. But like, I mean, they I, act like I, these little ridiculous... I don't hate PETA, but I, no, don't I don't like either. PETA. I just think their their brain is so cringy that it's just like I don't care about PETA. But also uh, that but yeah, to, that but, one tweet doesn't represent like that was some some really like you know uh, overly privileged white liberal with too much time on their hands who had nothing better to you know like that's not representative yeah, of their whole no, of mission course. for sure. No, it's just, you know, they they get they're trying to be controversial on purpose and anyone yeah. that tries to be controversial on purpose is going to rub everyone the wrong way, I think. Um there are there are so many amazing great animal rights organizations out there sure. that are much, you know, more uh stable <laughs> with their messaging uh and I've worked for a few of them and I think they do great work, so. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, anyway. But yeah, so but but that but the right loves to fucking do that. They run stories like that on Fox News all the time, where they'll find one fucking 
you know, th- they'll find like somebody who says they're like transracial or some shit and act as if like the entire left is now like, you know, this j- like what was that what that one lady tweeted that thing about how the kids are all like trying to live in like a genderless society or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I tried to explain to her, like, no, it's just most young people accept that uh, there can be more than one gender, uh, there could be a spectrum of genders. Uh, nobody's saying that we should all live in a genderless society. We're not saying that nobody and is allowed to have a gender. Like, yeah, saying. and she's like, well, I have a 19-year-old, so clearly you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, Letty, you go on believing that. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe these oh, guys have a point. She, there, is some, there are some people. Like that. Yeah. Well, and then she spent. She uh, spelled the word genderless as two different words, and that's when I really was like, I don't. I. So maybe yeah. she, maybe she actually meant less gender, not genderless. I don't know. I was just. I gave up. Yeah. I, I just can't. I fucking can't. Twitter's a fucking cancer that that we all willingly, you know, <laughs> infect ourselves with every week. Oh man! And if you go on fucking Facebook, oh, it's, it's nothing but screenshots of Twitter from people that aren't on Twitter. That's all Facebook is. And now. then a bunch of and people it's like, fucking yelling at each other in the comments yeah. of those screenshot. Posts. I will. I will see people who I know who are not on Twitter posting screenshots uh, or, or or sharing or uh, sharing a screenshot from like a, a an account with fifty thousand followers of a page with fifty thousand followers. Uh, of a tweet of, of an actual real life friend of mine on Twitter, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, that's my friend. I I know that guy, or yeah. I know that girl." Like, "Oh, hey, somebody took a screenshot of Jules's tweet and put it up there." Like, "Oh, I do a podcast with her." They're yeah. like, "What? She's famous?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It's Jules. <laughs> so. No big deal. No big deal." Yeah, no, Jules. Jules is crazy famous. Uh, so is Peter. I don't think they realize it. Like, they just come on our Rinky Dink show, but they 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 actually have like insane Twitter followings. Uh, well, hopefully cool. we'll see him again next week or sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have at least one of them on next week, uh, depending on their availability. But which one will it be? Tune in. Tune in to find, find out. out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of celebrity death matches, we'll make them fight each other for who gets to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, not really. Please come on the show. We like you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you like the show uh, and you want to support it, you can. Uh, of course, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. You can uh, follow us over there, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, if you want to support the show and buy some merch, you can go over to teespring.com slash move left. We have some t-shirts, mugs, tote bags. Uh, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash move left idiots. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. And I'm on Twitter at Chaos Riot1999. Feel free to share our show on Twitter. And if you're really ballsy, uh, use the hashtag. Fuck. Fuck it. Don't even use the hashtag. I don't care. But if you do, move left, idiots, please. Yeah. And uh, you can also find Comrade's alternate account uh, at Tenured Radical on Twitter. That's that's his uh, alternate (laughs) in case you were. uh... Yeah. I will gap in my teeth as a tenured (laughs) professor. Not sorry. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, So, yeah, uh, and we will uh, see you next week.
There's insanity in the control room tonight.